Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. Well, it's been a, a blessing, hasn't it, for, for us as a church, for uh, Jean-Louis and Nokwanda to be with us and arrived here about six months ago or a little bit more. And uh, Jean-Louis was very good. He, he, kept his, he kept himself under the radar a bit, didn't mention that he'd been a pastor in another church until we um, interrogated him fully. And um, so I think it's about time that we uh, let the man of God open the word of God to us. Would you agree? And so why don't you welcome Jean-Louis as he comes for the first time ever without a tie. (laughs) Good morning, everybody. Actually, I was debating this morning whether I should wear a tie. Um, I decided against it. Because that's not the word. I just want to say thank you to Pastor Peter and to the church you know, to giving me the opportunity to share with you um, something that God has put in my heart and I believe is something that can help us individually and as a church to build on. And the title of my message today is The Mind to Work. It's taken from the book of Nehemiah. And um, I believe that there are a couple of very key points from Nehemiah. There is a very wonderful story. Um, And one of the key words that comes when you read the book of Nehemiah is challenge. The word challenge is a word that comes up. And to challenges, each and every one of us can say we have experienced challenges. We do experience challenges daily. But we don't necessarily know how approach it. So looking at this book, we'll try to extract a couple of points which will help us in our life, which will help us as a church when God has given us an assignment, even like a building a church, putting our hands together for a good cause. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, King of kings, King of glory, we bless your holy name. We give you thanks, Father, for another time before you today. And we pray, Lord, that as we have approached your throne of grace, that you will open the scriptures to us, that you will give us understanding. And Father, I commit myself into your hands as your oracle, that Lord, you will use me so that your word will come out with power and authority, and that your children will receive it with joy. In Jesus' name, amen. So in terms of the background of Nehemiah, um, it is a very interesting story. Um, Nehemiah is actually a man, just a man like you and I, but somebody who had a burden, a very, very strong burden for his people. It is a burden which translated from the people, the Jews, being actually in captivity. And if you look at the chapter one of Nehemiah, it talks about Nehemiah getting the report that the great city has been destroyed. The walls were burnt down. And he felt very, very uncomfortable. He started crying out. 
So often in our situation, we find situation or we hear things which we are not comfortable with. And he cried out to God, I can't believe this is happening to your people. I have a burden. But you see, the position of Nehemiah was very specific. He wasn't a man of power. He was the cup bearer for the king, which means he's a position of servanthood. He's a position where he's a low position, low grade position, bringing things to the king for his own enjoyment. Nobody concerns himself with what he has to say. Furthermore, he was a Jew. So he was sort of a slave at the time. And when he knows, when we look at the fact that we know it is not a position of privilege, we will have thought maybe he will have kept to himself the burden that he had. But he was bold. He approached the king, but before approaching the king, he approached God. And he said, Father, you know the situations. Maybe we haven't been good. Maybe we've sinned against you. Maybe we've gone away from you, as we so often do. But remember your word to Moses, that if we turn away from our sins, if we turn away from our wicked ways, you will forgive us. Lord, hear our prayers and grant me favor when I approach the king. You know what? Your manager is actually scary at times. You are not happy with something, and you think, okay, I will just turn up, knock at his door, enter and say, look, I'm not happy with that. Sometimes we are impulsive into what we do. God is asking us, get wisdom, and ask me to go with you so that I can go and open the doors for you. And that's what he did for Nehemiah. He went and asked the king, made a petition. The king told him, what do you want me to do for you? And he said, well, I'd like to go and rebuild the great city. My people are suffering. I'm not happy with that. I'd like to go there. And the king started saying, okay, how long? How long? How long do you want to be away for? He gave him the time. And the king said, okay. So when we look at the scripture which I've taken this morning, it is a scripture that is actually specific to what Nehemiah did afterwards. And I've taken the scripture this morning from the book of Nehemiah chapter 4. If we can open our Bible, we'll read chapter 4 from verse 1 to 9. And I pray that as we try to extract a couple of things from this scripture, we will all be encouraged. So I will be reading. Chapter 4 verse 1 says, But it so happened, when Sambalat heard that we were rebuilding the wall, that he was furious and very indignant and mocked the Jews. And he spoke before his brethren and the army of Samaria and said, What are these feeble Jews doing? Will they fortify themselves? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they complete it in a day? Will they revive the stones from the heaps of rubbish, stones that are burnt? Now Tobiah, the Ammonite, was beside him and said, Whatever they build, if even a fox goes up on it, it will break down their stone wall. Hear, O God, for we are despised. Turn their reproach on their own heads and give them as plunder to a land of captivity. 
Do not cover their iniquity and do not let their sin be blotted out from before you. For they have provoked you to anger before the builders. So we built the wall and the entire wall was joined together up to half its height for the people had a mind to work. Now it happened when Sambalat Tobiah, the Arabs, the Ammonites, and the Ashodites heard that the walls of Jerusalem were being restored and the gaps were beginning to be closed, that they became very angry. And all of them conspired together to come and attack Jerusalem and create confusion. Nevertheless, we made our prayer to our God, and because of them, we set a watch against them day and night. The story that unfolded is about Sanballat and Tobiah, who seem to be key people around the king. And these people heard that the Jews are trying to rebuild their cities, and so they became angry. The Bible says very angry. They became angry and began to mock those children of Israel who wanted to rebuild their lives. They were so angry that they not only stopped at being angry, they went further. They wanted to attack, to attack them. And we may wonder why. Why, what was it for them? What was in it for them? The truth is, sometimes, when we want to go and rebuild our lives, when we want to go and do an assignment that is a godly assignment, we face challenges. We face challenges because of the situation, but also from people. And the fact is, some of the people will never like to see other progress. We are in the Christendom. We are the children of God, and we know what God is saying about us. And we know that he has a plan for us to give us a future and a hope, to bless us in the land, in our going out and in our coming in. It doesn't mean that there will not be any challenges. It doesn't mean it will be straightforward. It doesn't mean it will be easy peasy. It means God has given us the assignment, and he who has given the assignment will help us to carry it out. So, these people who reacted like Sambalat and Tobiah, they didn't want at all for the Jews to rebuild. And they started mocking them. You see, sometimes people are angry when we have decided to put a stop to what we used to do before. People become angry when we want to follow the Christian values that make us who we are in Christ Jesus because they do not understand or because they just want to be an hindrance to what God wants to do for you. When we say no more to backbiting, no more to gossiping, when we say no to fornication and adultery, when we say no to lying, when we say no to anger and outburst of wrath, when we say no to drinking habits that actually pull us very down, when we say no more to fighting, no more to unforgiveness, when we say no more to all these things, people will say, okay, you try. I'll see how far you go. You want to rebuild your world? I will watch. You say you won't lie again? I will set you, set you up. A small challenge. Why did you come to work late? 
Oh, the train. No, it wasn't the train. You woke up late. But you say no more. You told me I'm not saying lies anymore. Okay. I'm not drinking anymore. Oh, yeah, but what was that on your table? Oh, it's just 4%. But we will have challenges. And people will really want to make sure that we fail to do what God expects us to do. There are people who are happy to see you struggling. Why does he bring them? We don't know. But they are still happy for that. Sanballat and Tobiah were very furious, scoffing and mocking. That's what the Bible says, scoffing and mocking. That they even said that if a fox, I don't know how heavy a fox can be, but if a fox walks on that wall, it will destroy what they are trying to put together. Basically, go as far as you want. We are here. We will see you fail, and we will clap. And you see, these are things that are being very, very difficult to swallow. I personally believe that if people mock what God is giving me to do, I will rather want to fight them back, won't I? I will rather want to say that, you know what? At the end of the day, I've got a God that is mightier than what you are trying to tell me. I've got a God who knows the plan that you have put for me. I've got a God who knows already how I will go about succeeding. But you watch. I could get angry. I'm not necessarily sure you will bring anything. When as a church you have a vision, you have the building work, the project, and, well, you know, you are telling, let's contribute, and people say, well, you know what, they've got a big enough place. What, 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 what do they want for? What, what, what more money do they need? They have what they need. But you know the vision that God has given you. You know how you want to achieve it. So people will say, okay, even if they try this project, it will take five years. I think my wife and I were w- watching a program yesterday on the TV um, on the situation in Ireland where people have actually invested so much, bought a house, and the market came crashing down. And because of that, the house was actually vandalized, the area was vandalized, the builders didn't finish the work, people have invested so much money, and now their savings are out. And other people were saying, okay, all right, well... It was always bound to fail anyway. It was in Portugal he was trying to buy. It was in Northern Ireland he was trying to buy. Sometimes we do things which we are doing because we have the conviction they are right. And sometimes we fail in our projects. But God has the mind that his children should succeed wherever they go, in whatever they do. It is up to us to hear and to yield. When I was younger, I used to have many people mocking me, scoffing, because I used to be fragile, not very robust, you know. I used to be what they call, you know, somebody skinny, I mean, but not skinny, but really skinny, you know, like you just see the skin and under you know that there is a bone, you know, that kind of thing. And um, my cousins used to laugh at me, you know, couldn't play football with them, couldn't do things with them, but at the end of the day, you know, you can't run, you're skinny, fine. I think that if they see me today, they will wonder how many meats, how much meat I do eat per day, right? And that's the thing. Sometimes you have challenges. They appear tasteless. They appear very difficult, sorrowful. They give you this, this anger. You don't know what to do. But then, you know, later down the line, God has already intervened. And then you look back and you say, hey, did I really have that challenge? Because I can't remember it. God has been true for me. He set me free. He saved me. He's opened the doors for me. 
It is, I believe, a very key point in the story of Nehemiah that they called on to God. Psalm 34:17 says that the righteous can call unto God. He should call unto God and God will hear and deliver them from all their troubles. We have troubles sometimes every single day of our life. We don't know where they come from. We don't know how we are going to handle that. But we need to call unto God. And that's one of the first lessons that we should extract from this scripture. They did call unto God. Oh God, you see they are taunting us. You see they are despising us. You fight our battles. And the Bible still tells us that the battle is not ours. It's, it's the Lord's. So whatever battle we are entangled with, it's the Lord's to fight it. It is evident from the story of Nehemiah that those who resort to prayer are always, always winners. They are always winners because God is a God who always wins. He cannot be put to shame. He cannot be defeated. He is the God of the mighty armies of the heavens. So he always wins. I used to think that, especially when I first became a Christian, that when I face a situation that is challenging, I should actually rather try to deal with it myself, with my own understanding, my own abilities. And then when everything falls down, I then remember, oh, maybe I can actually pray. A few years down the line, I have a different thinking. And the thinking is that I face a challenge, then I pray, first option. Second option, I pray. Third option, I still pray. Final option, I pray. So what I'm saying is that God is my first and last resort. He's not one of the options, is my agenda or in, my, in, in all the opportunities that I can have to deal with any situation. He's the first. When we look at the children of Israel, um, they prayed unto God with all their hearts. They really cried out to God. They believed that he will come through for them. Irrespective of how bad they were before, they've already asked God to forgive them. So they knew that from that time, they could move on with God. The burden that Nehemiah had on his heart was actually going to be dealt with in the way that God wanted. He asked favor, God favor. The king did not only give him all what he needed, he also sent the people from his army, the captains, to support him in that task. To actually tell, hey, open the road, he is going that way, and he needs to get where he is going. And that was favor. And the Bible says, when you receive favor from God, you will receive favor from men. He received favor from God, and therefore the king was touched, put the people there, and he received favor from men. He was a winner from the word go because he put his trust in God. Irrespective of the challenge, he put his trust in God. And that's what I would probably ask us to look at today. Irrespective of the challenge that you have, irrespective of how big the challenge is, put your trust in God. We look at the example of Anna in 1 Samuel 6 to 18. Anna is another example of somebody who was provoked, somebody who was really pushed. The Bible recalls by her rival. Well, it didn't say how, how beautiful, maybe she would have been more beautiful than Anna, maybe she would have been more clever. The Bible doesn't want to deal with that. 
It's just an arrival. And she was provoked severely that she started weeping. But then when she realized she had a God, she then changed from weeping to crying out to God. It's a completely different dynamic. It has a completely different outcome. Because weeping is admitting defeat. Crying to God is calling for victory. And that's what she did. And God blessed her. When we look at the case of Daniel, he's somebody also who was, you know, a high flyer, very successful. But people started disliking the fact that he was praying to his God day in, day out. And they started challenging him. They went behind and accused him to the king and made a law to be written which ended up seeing Daniel put to the lion's den. How many people have you faced in your life that go behind you saying things about you that make it a bit more difficult for you to live according to Christian's principles? You see, Daniel could have been angry and decided to deal with that. He was still in a position of power to try to fight back, get his, his door to the king, start telling him things, and get the adversary to be locked down. He didn't. He relied on God. And God quietened the, the mouth of the lions, and when he came out, he became still victorious. He was promoted. As a Christian, when we face trial, I think we need to not to try to fight back. We need to be very consistent in approaching God in a way that glorifies him. Situation will always be there. Situation will always be nasty, the one more than the other. But we need to be consistently having the same approach to challenges. And what I just want to pick up right now is the fact that the children of Israel could have been angry, but they didn't. They were not angry. And when they made their prayer, they could have stopped. How often do we pray and we stop doing what we were doing? How often do we pray and we think, okay, we've prayed so nice for God to come and intervene, which is probably right. But God is not telling us pray and give up everything. God is not asking us to give up on everything that we've prayed for. If you find yourself in a situation that you are at work and you don't like your job and you think that it's a time to move on, then maybe what you need to do is first of all to get another job before resigning. You do not get upset first of all and say, here is my resignation letter, I'm moving and I'm quitting my job, and then you don't have a job just because you are angry and you need to deal with the situation. No. Wisdom, godly wisdom, dictates that you first find another job you get approval, you sign the dotted lines, and then you can say, here yeah, is my resignation. Not the contrary. After praying, we keep on doing what we are doing. There is a very big project, very big vision that God has given in this church. If the leadership, if Pastor Peter, if Jane, are looking at all the challenges that come their way, and say, God, that is our challenges, and then they stop doing what they need to do. You know, he, he talked about all these meetings coming up during the week and said, okay, you know, because of the challenges, guys, you know, let's forget about these meetings. Let's just leave them on the side. Who will be running the church? How will the people in the congregation be able to understand what God is doing in the church? 
how God, how will God fine tune what He has started in the church if we give up? If God is asking us to contribute and to put ourselves together for the same cause, what is telling us that we should actually tell God, you know what? This point, I think, I mean, I've done enough. I, I can't move beyond that because of the challenge. We shouldn't. What transpires from the story of Nehemiah, he says, people had the mind to work. They were all together in unity for the same purpose of rebuilding their city. And that is very key. Unity of purpose. It's very key to have understanding of how the dynamics work in the kingdom. God loves unity. He loves unity among his children. And he loves the people who look at each other as brothers and sisters for the same purpose. I don't like probably what you eat every single day. I don't like the way you speak. You speak too much like a French guy. But it doesn't matter. What I like is Christ in you. The gentleness in you. The fact that you see the same way I see the church progressing. The fact that you try to obey instruction. The fact that you don't put yourself away from commitment to the church or to the building work in the church. The fact that you can sharpen me. The fact that you can speak the truth. The fact that you are not hypocrites. The fact that you are somebody who loves God. That's enough for me. Let's not go to the same restaurant, no problem. But let's do the same thing in God. Let's have the mind to build. Together we are stronger. And that's what they did. Do you know that nobody in that story of Nehemiah contested his authority? Nobody contested his leadership. Oh, by the way, they didn't say like Moses, who put you chief over us? Who put you as our leaders? Where are you coming from? You are the cupbearer, stay there. They didn't say that. He had the vision, he had the burden. He prayed to his God, he has the assignment to complete. He goes to the king, gets the authorization, gets the army to do things with him. He gets opposition from people, but not his people. And that's the most important. The church cannot be divided when we try to achieve something together. We cannot say, oh, we'll put you there. We'll put you leader over us. It's not by age. It's not by, by skill. It's by godly appointments. If we are together come as a family, we will succeed. Let people mock us. Let people mock you, look, you, look down on you. It doesn't matter. If you have been a drug addict and you want to come out of that and rebuild your life, don't listen to what people say about you. If God has given you an assignment that is a godly assignment, then just go about it. Why do you consider what people say? Because people will say, whether you like it or not, they will always say something. We need to focus on what God is telling us. We need to hear God. And it's difficult sometimes. Because the challenges make it impossible for us to hear. Nehemiah's story was a case where the children decided to come together and they succeeded. That's a good story. They succeeded. So, despite the challenges of the situation that Jerusalem was burned, the walls were burned, despite the fact that there are senior people in that government opposing them, they still succeeded. And they succeeded. Because of a key recipe. Prayer aside, they exhibited some of the qualities which are worth emulating. Having the mind to walk is the first one. 
willingness to work. You know, sometimes we have the mind to work, so we think about doing that without being willing to do it. They were willing to help. They were willing to sacrifice their time. They were willing to sacrifice their, their resources. They put their fear away of reprisal. They put their fear of men away just to succeed. They knew that God would be with them. They were obedient. Obedient means do it now, I do it now. I don't have to wait five weeks and then I've done it. That's not obedience. They were all together obedient. And you see, they were also wise. They had the wisdom needed from God. You see, they say at some stage in the book of Nehemiah, it says that with one hand, they were holding the weapon. And with the other hand, they were actually building. We have two hands. With one hand, we need to hold our weapon, which is basically pray. Seek God. The other hand, let's walk and do what we need to do. That's the wisdom that they applied. There were people who were also reliable. They were reliable in that they didn't undertake to do the assignment carelessly at their own time and at their own pace. Do you believe that if Sambalat and Tobiah had been able to do that, time would have been something they wanted to really exploit. They would have wanted to use the time and surprise the Jews and actually destroy whatever they are doing. So if in doing the job of rebuilding, the children of Israel were thinking, you know what, we have time. Don't rush me too much. You know, I have time. I want to do that at my own pace. They wouldn't have succeeded in doing that on time. There's something in project management we call on time and on target. So you deliver something on time and deliver something that is according to the requirements. God told them, go and rebuild. They go and rebuild on time and on target. They were succeeding. At times, I feel, in terms of trying to make ourselves ambassadors of Christ within the church, I feel sometimes that we feel a bit pressurized because of what we are going through in our personal lives. We feel that sometimes the work of God is too cumbersome. We feel sometimes it is too demanding. We feel sometimes it might not be at that time what we need. We need to focus on our own silo of problems, silos of issues. But God is telling you and he's telling us, do not regard the silos of issues and challenges. Do and believe. Believe me. Believe me that I'm able to override whatever issue you had before. Believe me that I'm so faithful that I want to bless you. And I want to bless you, and when I bless, I won't add any sorrow to it. Believe me that when you want to do something in unity, I will be in your midst. I will not depart from you. I will not forsake you. Believe me that I'm a God who has written you on the palms of my hands. I read your concern, I read your problems, I read your story, and I want to help you to deal with that. Believe me that you are the one that I love. That's what God is telling us. Believe me as a church that I have plans for this ministry. Believe me that the project you have put to, my, to me as a concern, I will answer you. It was a great testimony, by the way, for the, 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 the person from America deciding to bless the church. It is a great testimony. There have been prayers behind, 
But I don't think that there's been any doubt that what God has put in the heart of Pastor Peter will be fulfilled. And God is showing himself. So we need to believe. Let it be done according to our faith. That as we rebuild, God will be the one building. We are just tools, you know. We are just tools. Let God rebuild. Let, be the one, let him be the one rebuild. I think two weeks ago, Pastor Peter preached about being doing things together as a family. Being involved a bit more. We need to be involved a bit more every day. Challenge yourself to do more in the house of God. It's valid for me. It's valid for everybody. Because the real challenge, not necessarily doing what God expects us to do, but is actually shying away. Shying away because of our own concerns. Nehemiah is a great story. He was a leader. Not initially, but he became a leader. And he delivered. <laughs> you have so many leaders nowadays who fail to deliver. <laughs> so many who fail to do what is expected of them. So many leaders who fail to look at the needs of their people and address it with the authority that God has given them. But he was a leader with the right burden and he went about it the right way. Sometimes you have the right burden and you go about things the wrong way. And equally, the result is bad. But he has the right burden, went about it the right way, and got got to accomplish what he wanted among his people. So forget about people saying, you know, your your, your marriage is on the bend. You cannot succeed in rebuilding it. Forget about it. What God is saying that I've joined you and you need to stay together and I will help you to build it. If you are in it, God, we know that we will succeed. Forget about the fact that your children are not listening to you every time you tell them to do things. Because God knows the way will shape the heart of the children. He said, all what he wants from you as a parent is to commit your children to the Lord so that they will not depart from, from his rule. They might not listen right now, but God knows what he has for them in store. You just need to trust. Forget about the fact that your work is difficult. It's challenging. It's a challenge, and so what? Tomorrow there will be another challenge. God equips us in our lifetime to deal with challenges. We have the Christ DNA that is stronger than any challenges. And even if this DNA comes to fade, Christ will overrule. Amen. Amen. We need to remember at this point in time that as Nehemiah went about building, he didn't look at status, didn't look at money, he didn't look at provision, except from God. Sometimes we have a burden and an assignment, and we have considerations, and that's why the word is so long on its own, consideration. We consider every single thing that for God needs not to be considered. Let's consider God. And as we consider him, he will do according to his purpose for him. For, her, for him in us, um, in Jesus' name. The purpose that he has for him, for us, is um, that he will make us to succeed. King's Church will succeed, he will build, he will grow, and we will grow and succeed. Amen. So, as we go today, let's remember that the God that we serve is mightier than any challenge. Let's remember that the blood of Christ is what makes us as a family. And what makes us as a family is what will give us unity. And what gives us unity is what will help us to build. And what will help us to build, or who will help us to build, is God. Amen. Thank you for listening, and we trust that the Word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church, or to access our large archive of other recordings, 
go to www.kingscambridge.org. If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless and goodbye.